Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Matt D. Fothery, Lee Boyd, and Rob Beller. Vroom, vroom, vroom. <laughs> Welcome, podcast world, to another episode of Vroom, 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 FNO InsureTech. <laughs> I'm like Rob that. Beller, one of your hosts on this wonderful show. And with me today is none other than Lee Boyd, another host. You are another host. That's true. You know why I'm saying vroom, vroom, vroom? No, I was about to ask you, why are you vrooming? I'm saying vroom, vroom, vroom. It's a way to pay homage to our guest today. Okay. Who is a world-class dirt track motorcycle racer. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that we were interviewing people big into motorcycles. It's his hobby. That's the wild thing. Oh, it's a topic. Our guest is Stephen Gregory, Vice President of Claims at Tower Hill Insurance. And one of the little known facts about Stephen Gregory, actually, I don't know if it's little known, but little known to us is he is a longtime dirt track racer and motorcycle enthusiast in a really big way. His entire family is. And um, it's kind of a cool thing about him. Yeah, he also he also has a uh, really big beard, doesn't he? No, you're thinking about ZZ Top. <laughs> oh. oh, my bad, my bad. Sometimes you get people confused. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, no, ZZ Top is next week's interview, Lee. Good, good. I'm uh -huh. excited about that one as well. Uh -huh. We're only having the two guys with the long beard, not the third guy who doesn't have a beard. <laughs> just, just the main two. Uh huh. What does the third guy play? Is he the drummer? Drums. He's the drummer. He doesn't have a beard? I, no, no, I don't think so. We might no. have to Google that. We might have no, I, to. You know, I, I, I grew a beard one time. It was itchy, so I shaved it off. You, and had, then a I beard, left. you had a beard for a really long time. What are you talking about? You mean a long beard? And then beard. I, left, I left the uh, mustache, and everybody made fun of me, so I shaved that off the next day. What, what, how did they make fun of you? What, what did they say about you in a mustache? That said, said I look like inappropriate mean things and so i i shaved it off and I know what never had said. a mustache ever since then i know what they said mm -hmm. i wore a mustache for many years i just want you kind of look like you have one right now i do have one right now as a matter of fact and a beard and a beard and i like it because i like not shaving you know i had a goatee for years and years and i saw a picture of myself this morning and thought man why didn't anybody ever stop me <laughs> I mean, it looked just awful. Nothing good about you. it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm a good-looking guy now, but I think it's better than the goatee. <laughs> no offense. If anybody has a goatee, I'm sure you look wonderful. It just didn't work out for me. Yeah, I think it's certain faces it works on, and other ones it doesn't. And sure, until I you guess. shave it off, and you're like, oh, I look better. But yeah, uh -huh. you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Glad we covered this. <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we hop into our interview today? Why, when we could talk about facial hair? <laughs> well, what else? I mean, we're all working at home and, you know, there's nobody out there to cut our hair. We're all going to have ponytails at the end of this. So, 
No, in fact, truth be told, we were talking about getting haircuts today. Yeah. Uh, before yeah. we started recording, and mm -hmm. how what a complicated uh, thing that is. And so, what we'd really like to ask today is, if you're out there and you're sheltered in place, what are you doing about haircuts? Let us know. Yeah, that's a good question. Let us know. This is a, one of the pressing issues of our time. If you have hair and it needs cutting, what are you doing about it? And and let's also talk about Stephen Gregory. I think that's a great idea. He's newly minted VP of Claims, long time at USAA. And the reason that we're having Stephen on today is because he's a smart, creative, progressive thinker who spent a lot of time on innovation teams. And that's yeah. a really interesting area for us because InsureTech, innovation, claims, underwriting, the whole process flies around in the same hemisphere. And so we want him to share that with us today. Every time we can talk to a to an innovation guy, we want to. A guy or a girl, right? I, I, we want to talk to anybody who deals with innovation. So, uh, you know, he'll be able to talk about his claims background and uh, he comes from it. Uh, he comes into this innovation world with claims behind him. Uh, but I'm very excited to talk to him. He's always a delight to talk to. Let's get to it. Let's do it. So without further ado, here is our interview with Stephen Gregory, VP of Claims at Tower Hill Insurance. Hey, everybody. We are here today with not only a guest, a very interesting guest, but I would go as far as saying a friend. Stephen Gregory, Vice President of Claims at Tower Hill Insurance newly appointed to that position. Welcome to the podcast, Stephen. Thanks, Rob. I'm completing my week seven at Tower Hill Insurance. Week seven? How was week seven? It's great. It's week two in Gainesville, Florida. So that's a whole nother dynamic we're facing. Uh-huh. And sheltered in place, correct? Yes, that too. So if I'm right, you moved out to Gainesville to work from your home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit different than maybe what you had planned. Very different. Tell us one thing you've learned about Gainesville, Florida, since you've been there. I know now why they have screened in enclosures mm. and how much I value the one we have at our house. When I asked a realtor about that, I asked, is that to keep the mosquitoes out? And he just responded with, well, bugs. I was like, okay. So let's jump in. Let's, let's jump in. First of all, um, everybody has to know that we have been chasing the Stephen Gregory episode that you're about to hear for like a year and a half. And there's lots of different reasons why it's taken Stephen so long to get on here. But we'll just start by saying that we're really appreciative to finally get to do this and to have you. And why don't we start with a little bit about who you are and your background and just quickly tell us how you got to where you are today. I am married. It'll be 10 years this year. We have two wonderful boys. They are three and one, uh, which made our uh, trek from San Antonio to Gainesville very fun. Outside of family. Before Tower Hill, I was at USAA for 15 years. I see here that, that you are a certified innovator through the University of Texas Austin IC2 Institute. What is that? That is a cool program that USAA has um, uh, in conjunction with the University of Texas Austin, where you're assigned to a team of uh, people from across the company 
um, and you're you're tasked with vetting out an idea that somebody had on how to apply technology to solve a business problem. Okay, it's a about a three month journey. It was a while back, um, so I don't recall the time frame, but uh, it was a lot of research studies. You know, talking to the the end users and trying to formulate what you know is this a viable solution? Will it solve a business problem? And if not, let's kill it early and see what we can do. You know, because at the end of the day, there's still a business problem that needs to be solved. Right. So fail fast. Yeah, fail fast and see if if there's anything else that you can do to help with that business problem. I'd like to talk about innovation and being on an innovation team. There's lots of different parts and pieces to that. There's being on the innovation team, being a part of that group, as well as innovating the process of how an innovation team is going to work. Were you around for the beginning of that? Were you, did you get to be involved in how it was going to grow and get structured and, and operate? Yes, I was. There was an innovation team within Claims. It was small but mighty because, wow, the portfolio that they had and what they were working on, it, it was amazing how they can accomplish that. So when I first started the innovation team, I was part of a, a strategy team. So we came up with a strategy on what the innovation the newly formed larger claims innovation team was going to be focusing on. That must have been cool. That must have been very interesting. We've talked to some other innovation people from some other carriers. And uh, one of the things that we've learned is, is that innovation, it's not just finding something that's cool and getting it to work. It's, it's far more than that, right? Oh yeah. It's, it's learning how you're going to convince over a thousand employees that that's what they should be doing. Whenever you started out on that, is the the purpose of an innovation team to solve a problem or to be prepared for whenever a new problem arrives? It's both. And I think that was probably one of the most challenging parts. It's um, how do you help all your people that used to you know answer the phones right next to you and adjust claims? How do you help them tomorrow because you know that they're swamped? But at the same time, focus on three, five plus years on what, what's coming that's going to impact them and the customers. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a fine balance between what can I help them do tomorrow and what's coming in the future. So then coming out of claims the way that you did, you know, on the adjusting side was probably a great help in that. Oh yeah. Um, and not only that, but being partnered with the teammates that were recruited to the team they weren't all claims experts. In fact, some of them had never worked claims in their life. But the knowledge and skills that they brought to the team was was awesome because we all worked together because they, they helped me walk through a lot of things that I hadn't thought about before. And I helped them understand the, the business problems that they were trying to solve. And together, it was, it was some good stuff being done. What might an example of those kind of skill sets be? Could be contract negotiations, vendor management, uh, IT, definitely IT, development product owners, you know, experienced design folks. Just, I mean, we, we have the best of the best on our team. I see that, that you're a Six Sigma uh, yellow belt. Is, I mean, was that used throughout this process or is innovation more, um, you know, no, no barriers, uh, no walls? 
because I knew it, I would I would use it um, in trying to solve the the business problem or come up with a business case. And you know, in innovation, you can you can run a pilot, right? And you yeah. can get some results for a small segment of claims. But if you don't think about the future deployment and oh, yeah. expanding, then the minute you hand it over to somebody else for for wider use, it's going to fail. So yes, the the help that helped me to remember like well, what waste will this project create or what other impacts can I, will it impact on the overall process and how can I help mitigate that now before handing it off to the business to operationalize. A lot of times whenever I'm dealing with innovation, I'll come up with some ideas or I see something, but it has no real value at the moment. And I find myself working on it because it has future value uh, but yet I, I need to be able to prove worth at the time that I'm sitting right now. So maybe I'm thinking of, about a problem that doesn't exist yet, but yet I still want to be able to sell myself as being valuable at this time. When Whenever you're working on an innovation team, is it difficult to be able to think so far ahead, but yet be able to, to prove your worth at this moment, maybe to your superiors or the company itself? Yes, it's very difficult. So you have to really understand the business to be able to project the trends or what's going to be impacting their people processes in the coming years. Um, So if you can clearly articulate how they're going to be impacted and why your solution is going to help them, then that's what they need to see. I see. Not necessarily the the how, but the why. The why. Well, let's talk a little bit about InsureTech and projects and you've been in claims you've been working in claims for a long time been in the insurance industry a long time and keep moving up what are some things that maybe you've worked on that have helped us move into this new world of of insureds helping themselves and in this new world of of insured tech what are some projects you've worked on in the past i think the coolest one without going into too much detail um was around the use of augmented reality glasses. Oh yeah, they were a, a great tool to for educational purposes, uh, coaching, mentoring, etc. Um, and it's a it's a new piece of technology, and they're uh, constantly changing uh, throughout the life cycle of the project. The the prices fluctuated a lot between the pieces of hardware and the new ones were always being introduced. So is that viable? Is that real? I mean, do, do you think glasses and using that technology, is that something that's real? I wouldn't go out and buy some for myself at home, but for the right use case, yes. Uh, especially with our adjuster population changing and uh, different levels of experience coming in. It's a, it's a great tool for growth. You were saying maybe in the educational front, is that where where you see that? Or do you see glasses like that or other wearables being able to actually capture information while on site or from even a insured's wearable, perhaps? What do you, what, what's your thought there? Long-term, yes, that uh-huh. would be great. Um, uh-huh. if, if more people adopted the technology and the technology was able to use what we've, we've all been looking for in the industry, um, to capture measurements. <laughs> if that can be incorporated, then yes. But I don't see people walking around with augmented reality glasses in in the very near future. Yeah, I used to I used to work for a, a gentleman and he bought a pair of glasses years and years ago. And he said, This is gonna change the world. 
and it had the capability, I, I think, but it was so new and the, the cost was outrageous uh, at that time. I mean, it was years ago, but I could see now where we are today, how something like that could be, could be so, so usable, um, especially on the educational front or the, hey, look here, do something like that. I think it'd be really, really neat. Yeah, and well, and Apple's said sometime last year that in ten years, uh, glasses are going to be replacing the the phone and watch and et cetera. So we'll see. So your phone will be even more of a fashion statement at that point in time. I uh, I'm guessing. FNO InsureTech 2030 podcast. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Stay tuned. Back to being on the innovation team. How did you guys go about? finding ideas of what you should even be thinking about and looking at? Well, I mean, there must be a process there of identification of the greatest need. Because like one of the things about InsureTech today, as you know, is there's tons and tons of things to look at and to, and to be interested in. How do you determine which way to go? Primarily the, the business relationships, uh, going to the, the, the operations folks, the experience folks, and, and trying to like, understand what the, the current needs are and then utilizing the tools that were available through throughout the company there was a, a, a more mature innovation team uh, that didn't that was very valuable um, you know if, if you if you had some if you had an idea you could reach out to them chances are they probably did some sort of research on it you could partner with them um, and then our our leadership team was was awesome and they they would just give us the liberty to to explore the the needs of of our customers which were you know the 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 members the operational folks and the experience teams mm-hmm. um, they the leadership trusted us um, to go out and and build our business cases so I would assume that with you know the the variety of experience that you've had in the past that bringing some of some of that innovative thinking has has to travel with you into your new position oh yes um with our current situation that the world is in you may or may not have heard about it <laughs> it's been uh, great uh, i i reach out to my my peers that are exploring you know different ways to to get field inspections done um and i i have to pull back because i you know i hear them talk about something and you know i it all comes back to me and I'm like, Hey guys, what, what are we doing with this? Let's, mm-hmm. can we try something? And they're like, Steven, we got this. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I got, I have to go learn my role over here and let you guys be, but you don't lose it because it, I, I hear them talk about it and I, I still want to go jump in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would think that in, in, with a company like Tower Hill, that is, you know, older, v- very prominent, very well established, that there's probably opportunities around the organization for kind of new new thinking. And I mean, that's one of the things that your boss, Kat Reese, is is known for. She's she's an innovative, clever thinker. So it must be it must be good to to have that kind of environment to work in. Yes. And the the collaboration that we have um, across the teams, not only my peers, but across the other parts of the company with, you know, marketing, underwriting, the agencies. What I've learned is that everyone works so well together. I think I put it to somebody like it's a, a family 
like culture, but the functional family, not the disgruntled ones. And everyone just works so well together to, to, to circle back feedback and make tweaks, adjustments on processes to improve the experience and the needs for the policyholders. It, it must be interesting to go on this topic from a company that's so known for its culture, so well-entrenched and well-established culture into another well-established company that probably has a very different culture. What's that experience been like for you? And understanding that it's still early in the process and, and you're sheltered at home, but how's that gone? It, it is a different culture, um, but like I said, I, I, I like the family feel that, that we have. Um, I've really enjoyed that. I'm big on, I guess one of my strengths is like reading people and emotional intelligence. Rob, you know this, I'm, I'm a very quiet person. Yeah. I, I listen very well to people and emotional intelligence is a little difficult to pick up over the phone or over I am in my office with nobody around me. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. But it's great because it's a, I'm learning something new as well as I'm sure a lot of people across the U.S. Well, let's talk just a little bit about hurricane season. Tower Hill is uh, in Florida and in some other states, but you think of Tower Hill, you think of Florida. And as the vice president of claims, what does that look like to you? How do you go into this role? What are you doing to prepare for hurricane season? Well, uh, Hurricanes are going to abide by the shelter at home uh, <laughs> regulations. So they are. Man, well, talk about that. What would that look like if a hurricane comes in with the shelter in place? I mean, is that something that insurance companies need, need to be getting prepared for? Oh, yeah. And we, we're, we're having those conversations now, um, you know, working with, with my peers and everyone across the company on, you know, the, the right readiness plans and, um, you know, our, our cat leader, he's, he's a well-known across the, the industry. Um, so Chad, you know, we work with him a lot. We'll be ready. Uh, he, he's predicting a, a very busy season. Yeah. Um, yes. so we, we need to, and we'll be ready, uh, and adapt to whatever mother nature and any virus brings to us. So we're all home now and sheltered in place and dealing with a pandemic uh, something that many people six months ago wasn't even on their radar. What does it mean for you guys? I mean, it must be extraordinary dealing with this at, at a carrier. Can you share some of those, some of the things you've learned or some of the insights you've gained by being in this situation? So I was in Gainesville for my first week, uh, March, the week of March 2nd. I remember that Sunday in the airport and I was like, oh, maybe I should have brought some antibacterial hand sanitizer and you know they still had them for sale at the airports uh, they were <laughs> okay. still available <laughs> okay. so i picked one up and i was like well this you know it's this little thing it's not going to be that serious so i was i was here for the first week made plans to, to come back and then i guess it was once i returned home maybe the middle of that next week when it started getting pretty serious and i had to think of you know i'm barely learning the systems, the processes, um, the people, um, how am I going to get all of my folks to work from home tomorrow? Yeah. Not knowing what phone systems were like, uh, and what, what they do or don't have already at home. But I knew that I needed to keep my employees safe and 
um, the rest of the Tower Hill team did as well. So, you know, IT was was working so hard. Um, but I was very proud because our our claims team, you know, they went home. They they didn't miss out on any. We haven't seen any productivity issues. People are happy. We're staying connected, and just the the work that IT put in to ensure that everyone was successful and, and moving out, it was, it was just phenomenal uh, what they did. And I was amazed at how well prepared uh, the claims team at Tower Hill was to to get up leave and not come back the next day that's great yeah it departments work so hard uh during this you know to get everybody out the door i'd like to ask as we as we get towards the end here i want to talk a little bit about the future of claims so so you're a longtime claims guy you've you've been in the field you you've worked hurricanes you know what it's like to to show up at an insurance home, do the inspection, write the estimate, and close it. Yet as an innovation guy, you know what's out there. You know what's possible. You know what people are dreaming about. Where do you see, you know, let's say in five years, where do you see claims going? Are they going to still be handled the traditional way, or is there a, a new way that'll that'll come out? I think five years is kind of too soon to see a huge change. Okay. Um, I, I do believe that we're going to, nail down the uh the interior measuring that's i think there's a lot of people that are pretty close to that um that that would be game changing there's still going to be people that want someone to show up at their house i i think that we're going to have some options from what we're learning through this time something i've i've said for a few years now is we're going to have like a, a hybrid adjuster out there maybe they're in an office if they want to be in an office or maybe they're at home um, but you know, some people do like to go on the field and why can't they have the option of, of doing all of those things together so that when there's those claims that just really need someone to go out there and be more of a, uh, to manage the, the people around the, the claim, not necessarily adjust the claim, um, that they can go out there and there'll be a, a workforce, uh, and a talent pool available throughout the U S not just in certain office areas. So I think that that would probably be the, you know, the, the future that I, I think might be coming. And what are the, some of the things that you, some of the tools or ideas that you think will help facilitate taking us there? Technologies, companies? There's um, the automation piece for, for your simple claims. You know, if, if, if you identify that, X percentage of your claims are under whatever threshold you want. And people that are adjusting those claims are, are more so processing than adjusting. Then how do we automate those responsibly um, with whatever rules you might build in the background and then focus on the real claims that, that need that human interaction? Are you seeing some tools out there today that are particularly uh, striking for you as as big winners. You mentioned augmented reality earlier, but are are there others? Yeah, I mean, just about everyone that you guys have had on the on the on the series. Of um, course, <laughs> of course. Needless <laughs> to say, they're all winners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those uh, the, the remote capture technologies that are out there are great. Some of the camera tools to to capture imagery, they're all coming along 
rapidly and mm-hmm. in, in working with most of them before they accept feedback well. That's part of the, the thing that uh, we as carriers need to help is, yeah, this is a, a great product. Maybe they weren't insurance professionals um, or have the claims background, but um, if, if it's something that I believe will help us in five years, uh, I'm going to let them know what they should be looking at. And I also think that the thing that we can't fully assess in in the question of five years from now, as well as the idea that we're in the middle of a pandemic that we couldn't have thought about a year ago, I think that society is changing. You know, of course, the phone has had an enormous impact on it all, but people's willingness to be involved, just how the world is changing is going to affect how claims change. Yes. And uh, the employees that we need, um, that's going to change. I mean, I, I literally just had a conversation about, oh, by the way, Tower Hill is, is hiring. I'll put a plug in there. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, about where we're going to be looking for talent. And it's like, well, we're, we're doing it now. So why can't we hire remote? Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that we've been way opened up to is, is that having a remote workforce, we've always been uh, very much about having a workforce that's in-house with us, with the management. I think that one of the pandemic takeaways is, is that that might not be our future, right? That we're, we're, right. we're comfortable now with having remote workers who can be big contributors. I agree. I think that we've been able to test systems and test reporting that uh, was maybe a little unsure at the time, but like we know it works. And this is really opened our eyes to be able to say, well, is there another way to do things? I still think that, I still think tried and true is there, but I think that options are now available that may not have been available earlier. You're a motorcycle guy. Is that fair to say? I think that is a fair statement. It might be an understatement. Is that, (laughs) is that right? Yeah, I've been, uh, I don't remember learning how to ride a motorcycle, but I was, my parents say I was four. I do remember the Christmas when I saw the two motorcycles at the Christmas tree. I say two motorcycles because I have a twin brother. Um, and I remember seeing them, but I don't remember learning how to ride them. But I've been riding since since I was four. Um, my dad grew up racing and riding. My parents own a motorcycle shop. My uncle owns a motorcycle shop. My grandpa owned a motorcycle shop before them. He opened it up in 1949. Wow. wow. Um, my brother and my dad still actively race. Um, I had been to Waco, Texas many times before, uh, sometimes to race with them, sometimes to be a spectator. Wow. But yeah, that's, uh, I ride motorcycles. So what, what kind of racing is it? Is it motocross or what, what kind of racing? It's a, it's flat track. It's a dirt oval. Okay. So they have, uh, they're modified dirt bikes for, for that type of racing. It's insane is what it is. It's freaking crazy. And you know, when I first met Stephen Gregory, he's this nice, like he said, quiet, gentle man. And then you look at, uh, videos or pictures of him participating in this. And there's obviously an alter ego there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. I mean, it's loud and it's fast and it's a little crazy. Yes. Yes. I'm, uh, for the last year I've been retired from racing. 
because I was racing in Austin last year. Actually, I think the last weekend was a one-year anniversary. Um, but I had a, a, an accident and tore my ACL and my meniscus. And my wife did not enjoy that now that we have two little ones. Uh, so I'm sidelined for now. Well, but here's the question. Has there been something under the Christmas tree for those two little boys yet? Oh, when the movers got to our house and saw the bikes, they were like, whose bikes are these? I was like, it's the boys. They're like, one of them is one year old. He's a one year old. I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, that's right. The, not the too, big one. Not too soon. <laughs> the big one got his first bike when, when mom was, I don't know, three, three months pregnant. It was before we knew it was a he. So if it was she, she was going to ride too. Okay. Either way, either way. <laughs> Live to ride. Live to ride. We really appreciate you making the time from your new busy schedule uh, as, as you get integrated into life in Florida and life at Tower Hill. And we're thrilled that we were finally able to do this. Thanks for having me. I've been uh, dying to get on here and that if we finally made it work. Right. Yes, we did. Thanks. Thanks, guys. You know, I've been trying to have Stephen on the podcast for a long time. And the reason that I wanted him on was because of all of his work in innovation. Yeah. So it's great to have him on and to to hear his ideas about that. It's always good to talk to somebody in the claims world. That's that's what I'm involved with. Yeah. That's what I've been there doing for a long time. And to and to think about where claims were gonna go. Because, you know, claims have been the same for so long. But really it wasn't until ooh, the late nineties that technology really came in. But what is the the next revolution look like it's fun to think with him and to dream with him and we had good conversation before and after the podcast uh, right. even about where we're going to go with all this stuff but he's always a, a neat guy to talk to right and i'm happy for him that he's moving up in his career and that he as is at tower hill and i'm sure that they'll benefit greatly from his creativity and his foresight which he's gained all along it, but but i agree with you it's always interesting to have people that come from the claim side, we have a phrase in claims that I've heard many, many, many times, and that is classically trained. Uh, yes, I've heard right? that recently. Classically yeah. trained claims professional. And the, the, the path is that you start as an adjuster. What that, that's mm -hmm. what that usually means, is you right. started as an adjuster and you worked in the field and you got your hands dirty in claims and working claims and then worked up managerially from there. Right. And he's one of those guys. He is one of those guys. But there's a lot to be said for that, right? There's a lot to be said for that hands-on experience. Um, some people say you can only learn so much from books. You got to actually do. So it's always it's always a delight to talk to him. And I think he has a, a very bright future at, at Tower Hill. Totally. And we thank Stephen for being with us. And we thank you for being with us. And we look forward to jabbering again in the near future. So please join us then on the next exciting, enthralling, unbelievable episode of FNO Insurtech. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>